Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You see that big hollow there? The Indians must have gone that way if they went anywhere about here. We reached the gap, which was like a deep notch cut into the mountain ridge, and here we soon discerned an anthill furrowed with the mark of a lodge pole. This was quite enough, there could be no doubt now. As we rode on, the opening growing narrower, the Indians had been compelled to march in closer order, and the traces became numerous and distinct. The gap terminated in a rocky gateway leading into a rough passage upward between two precipitous mountains. Here grass and weeds were bruised to fragments by the throng that had passed through. We moved slowly over the rocks, up the passage, and in this toilsome manner we advanced for an hour or two, bare precipices hundreds of feet high shooting up on either hand. Raymond with his hardy mule was a few rods before me when we came to the foot of an ascent steeper than the rest, and which I trusted might prove the highest point of the defile. Pauline strained upward for a few yards, moaning and stumbling, and then came to a dead stop, unable to proceed further. I dismounted and attempted to lead her, but my own exhausted strength soon gave out, so I loosened the trail rope from her neck, and tying it round my arm, crawled up on my hands and knees. I gained the top, totally exhausted, the sweat drops trickling from my forehead. Pauline stood like a statue by my side, her shadow falling upon the scorching rock, and in this shade, for there was no other, I lay for some time, scarcely able to move a limb. All around the black crags, sharp as needles at the top, stood glowing in the sun, without a tree or a bush or a blade of grass to cover their precipitous sides. The whole scene seemed parched with a pitiless, insufferable heat. After a while I could mount again, and we moved on, descending the rocky defile on its western side. Thinking of that morning's journey, it has sometimes seemed to me that there was something ridiculous in my position. A man armed to the teeth, but wholly unable to fight, and equally so to run away, traversing a dangerous wilderness on a sick horse. But these thoughts were retrospective, for at the time I was in too grave a mood to entertain a very lively sense of the ludicrous. Raymond's saddle-girth slipped, and while I proceeded he was stopping behind to repair the mischief. I came to the top of a little declivity where a most welcome sight greeted my eye. A nook of fresh green grass nestled among the cliffs, sunny clumps of bushes on one side, and shaggy old pine trees leaning forward from the rocks on the other. A shrill familiar voice saluted me and recalled me to days of boyhood, 
that of the insect called the locust by New England schoolboys, which was fast clinging among the heated boughs of the old pine trees. Then, too, as I passed the bushes, the low sound of falling water reached my ear. Pauline turned of her own accord, and pushing through the boughs we found a black rock overarched by the cool green canopy. An icy stream was pouring from its side into a wide basin of white sand, from whence it had no visible outlet but filtered through into the soil below. While I filled a tin cup at the spring, Pauline was eagerly plunging her head deep in the pool. Other visitors had been there before us. All around in the soft soil were the footprints of elk, deer, and the rocky mountain sheep, and the grizzly bear, too, had left the recent prints of his broad foot with its frightful array of claws. Among these mountains was his home. Soon after leaving the spring we found a little grassy plain encircled by the mountains, and marked to our great joy with all the traces of an Indian camp. Raymond's practiced eye detected certain signs by which he recognized the spot where Reynal's lodge had been pitched and his horses picketed. I approached and stood looking at the place. Reynal and I had, I believe, hardly a feeling in common. I disliked the fellow and it perplexed me a good deal to understand why I should look with so much interest on the ashes of his fire, when between him and me there seemed no other bond of sympathy than the slender and precarious one of a kindred race. In half an hour from this we were clear of the mountains. There was a plain before us, totally barren and thickly peopled in many parts with the little prairie dogs, who sat at the mouths of their burrows and yelped at us as we passed. The plain, as we thought, was about six miles wide, but it cost us two hours to cross it. Then another mountain range rose before us, grander and more wild than the last had been. Far out of the dense shrubbery that clothed the steeps for a thousand feet shot up black crags all leaning one way, and shattered by storms and thunder into grim and threatening shapes. As we entered a narrow passage on the trail of the Indians, they impended frightfully on one side above our heads. Our course was through dense woods in the shade and twinkling sunlight of overhanging boughs. I would I could recall to mind all the startling combinations that presented themselves, as, winding from side to side of the passage to avoid its obstructions, we could see, glancing at intervals through the foliage, the awful forms of the gigantic cliffs that seemed at times to hem us in on the right and on the left, before us and behind. Another scene in a few moments greeted us, a tract of gray and sunny woods, broken into knolls and hollows, enlivened by birds and interspersed with flowers. Among the rest I recognized the mellow whistle of the robin, an old familiar friend whom I had scarce expected to meet in such a place. Humblebees, too, were buzzing heavily about the flowers, and of these a species of larkspur caught my eye. More appropriate it should seem to cultivated gardens than to a remote wilderness. Instantly it recalled a multitude of dormant and delightful recollections. Leaving behind us this spot and its associations, a sight soon presented itself characteristic of that warlike region. In an open space, fenced in by high rocks, stood two Indian forts of a square form, rudely built of sticks and logs. They were somewhat ruinous, having probably been constructed the year before. Each might have contained about twenty men. 
Perhaps in this gloomy spot some party had been beset by their enemies, and those scowling rocks and blasted trees might not long since have looked down on a conflict unchronicled and unknown. Yet if any traces of bloodshed remained, they were completely hidden by the bushes and tall rank weeds. Gradually the mountains drew apart, and the passage expanded into a plain, where again we found traces of an Indian encampment. There were trees and bushes just before us, and we stopped here for an hour's rest and refreshment. When we had finished our meal, Raymond struck fire, and, lighting his pipe, sat down at the foot of a tree to smoke. For some time I observed him puffing away with a face of unusual solemnity. Then, slowly taking the pipe from his lips, he looked up and remarked that we had better not go any farther. "'Why not?' asked I. He said that the country was becoming very dangerous, and that we were entering the range of the Snakes, Arapahoes, and Grovantra Blackfeet, and that if any of their wandering parties should meet us, it would cost us our lives. But, he added, with a blunt fidelity that nearly reconciled me to his stupidity, that he would go anywhere I wished. I told him to bring up the animals, and mounting them we proceeded again. I confess that, as we moved forward, the prospect seemed but a dreary and doubtful one. I would have given the world for my ordinary elasticity of body and mind, and for a horse of such strength and spirit as the journey required. Closer and closer the rocks gathered round us, growing taller and steeper, and pressing more and more upon our path. We entered at length a defile which I never had seen rivaled. The mountain was cracked from top to bottom, and we were creeping along the bottom of the fissure in dampness and gloom, with the clink of hoofs on the loose shingly rocks, and the hoarse murmuring of a petulant brook which kept us company. Sometimes the water, foaming among the stones, overspread the whole narrow passage. Sometimes, withdrawing to one side, it gave us room to pass dry shod. Looking up, we could see a narrow ribbon of bright blue sky between the dark edges of the opposing cliffs. This did not last long. The passage soon widened, and sunbeams found their way down, flashing upon the black waters. The defile would spread out to many rods in width. Bushes, trees, and flowers would spring by the side of the brook. The cliffs would be feathered with shrubbery that clung in every crevice, and fringed with trees that grew along their sunny edges. Then we would be moving again in the darkness. The passage seemed about four miles long, and before we reached the end of it, the unshod hoofs of our animals were lamentably broken and their legs cut by the sharp stones. Issuing from the mountain, we found another plain. All around it stood a circle of lofty precipices that seemed the impersonation of silence and solitude. Here again the Indians had encamped, as well they might, after passing with their women, children, and horses through the gulf behind us, in one day we had made a journey which had cost them three to accomplish. The only outlet to this amphitheater lay over a hill some two hundred feet high, up which we moved with... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.